Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, there we go. Okay. I can hear you. I can hear you now. It's probably my microphone. Oh. Caffeinated beverage. Hmm. Totally, uh, totally fine. Hello, hello. Hello. All right. Let me get all my notes and stuff up. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm excited. I always have to change it so I can like actually see it. <laughs> my freaking notes because I'm blind as shit. <laughs> I'm over here using like size 20 font. Okay. Well, how's your day going so far? Good. Um, I took today off because obviously Jordan flies out tomorrow. Um, we're going, well, they already went to the beach, but I was like, okay, well, I'll just like meet you guys there after I'm done recording. Cause I have to, I have to do my podcast stuff today. So hence why I was like, I'm going to look like poop and that's okay. Um, cause I'm going to the yeah. beach right after this. So oh, it's yeah. good. how's your day? Well, I slept in a little bit, which is good for me. Cause I don't ever sleep. So, and then I got good. really cozy cause it's really cold in my room right now. I'm really cold. Mm -hmm. And then like Penny was like, she likes to like, if I'm laying on my side, on my back, all the way down my butt, she'll like put her whole body up against me. Like her back is against my back, but it's super cozy. Like this is the second morning in a row. And I'm like, I just want to get like a cute like video of like her behind me. I'm like, this Aww. is why I can't wake up or move. Cause it's so cozy. She's just cuddled right up against me. She's like, it's that time of year, mom. Yeah. Yeah. She won't like, she won't for a while. Like, and it's like, especially when Sean leaves, like Sean says like instantly, like obviously I'm asleep. So I don't know, but like instantly once he leaves, like she jumps right into his spot. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. She's like, well, before you, it was my spot. So <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it's just kind of chilly here in Arizona. I wish I was Cute. going to the beach. Yeah. I know it's a little windy outside right now, but it's okay. Probably gets the up inside. I was going to record out there, but I'm in here. Yeah. What beach are you guys going to? I don't know. They're supposed to send me their location when they get there. Um, Jeremy had told us, and I don't remember, but it's like 20, 20 minutes from here. It's the closest beach to them, but I don't know. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I will jump into it then. So that way you can get over to the beach and enjoy. Um, so the topic I have today, I'm so excited. Um, so what do you think of when you think of a story that contains sex slavery, mafia power, religious power, mm. Turkish terrorism, and some money laundering? Scientology, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Dang. Let me tell you the name then. So have you ever heard of a girl named Emanuela Orlandi? No. So Emanuela Orlandi, sorry, I kind of slurred there for a second. She is known as the Vatican girl. The Vatican girl? Yeah. 
So no idea. So for our listeners, um, so for our listeners, if a lot of people might know the story because on Netflix, there's actually a docu-series on there regarding this. So this is the disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi. Um, she's also, like I said, AKA the Vatican girl. Um, fun fact for you, Darcy, you really should watch it. It's very good. It's like a four-parter. Um, it was also mm-hmm. directed by this guy named Mark Lewis, who is the same director for don't fuck with cats. Oh, okay. So he did called? a good job with this one too, for sure. And it recently came out. I think it came out in like October 12th ish or something like that. So it hasn't been out very long. Mm. Um, but it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Um, so that was obviously one of my sources. I'll go ahead and cite the other ones really quick. It was just um, obviously the Netflix docu-series. And of course, my favorite website of all time is All That Is Interesting. There's an article by Marco Margaret, Margaritoff. There we go. Got it. And um, I think I'll, I use a little bit of Wikipedia too. So those were mine. So like, what do you know about the Vatican, Darcy? Um, well, anything I know about the Vatican has to do with like exorcisms and anything, you know, the, they're kind of like the Hail Mary, if you will, of anything that has to do with the church and like uh, the Catholic church. And I know specific people get to get training from the Vatican or you have to go, you have to get lots of special permissions, especially when it comes to things like exorcisms. So that's as much about the Vat and the Pope, you can't, <laughs> the Pope. So that's about it. So yeah, that it, it's for the, the Catholic religion. Um, so fun facts about the Vatican is that it's like a, it's fascinating. Like it freaking reminds me of like Game of Thrones or something, okay? Like the fact that this exists, I'm like, I don't really know a whole lot of like Catholic, the religion, because um, it's just not how I was raised. It's just not, it's also not, I feel like a super common thing here in Arizona. I think it's because we're so far West. Um, mm-hmm. But so it's a separate, it's like actually in Rome and it's its own separate city state. So if you go to Rome, Italy, um, you'll see that it's almost bordered off by these really tall walls. So within the walls, it's actually considered its own city state. So it's completely separate. Um, There are people that actually live there too. So it's residents total to around like anywhere between like 800, 850. And that's it. And usually the families that live there are like, really high up ranking within the church they work for um the actual vatican itself some way or another um so they get special privileges to actually live within the walls um and it's like kind of it's like fascinating too because like they have these walls and it's obviously open during the day so that people can come visit any in the public can come visit but at midnight they completely shut like with these iron gates like everything off and only people that live there stay there overnight um, so yeah, it's just like this weird, like totally separate world almost. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so obviously Emanuela Orlandi, she is actually considered a, um, a Vatican citizen. So she was um, raised there with her family, her family itself. She was one of five kids. I believe there was one boy and four girls, um, but she was like the second to youngest. Um, the family themselves have lived within the Vatican for over a hundred years. They said, I think they've served a total of like seven popes. So yeah, like they've been there a long time, like well-established family too. Um, she was born on January 14th, which is Capricorn in 1968. And she was 15 years old, um, when she disappeared. So we can go ahead and jump right on in. 
So unfortunately on June 22nd, 1983, this is when the whole story begins. Um, her day starts out as she goes to her music lessons. So she actually plays the flute, which so do I. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, so three times a week, she goes to these music lessons, which it's, I guess, only like a couple blocks away from where she actually lives, just right outside of the Vatican. Um, so she was going to her class. I guess it was like a super, super hot day there. It was June. So, yeah. Um, so, of course, she's over here, like asking like her brother, who's older than her. She's like, hey, can I get a ride, dude? Like, come on, it's hot. Like, I don't want to sweat my ass off walking three blocks to go to freaking music class. Um, and he kind of just like blows her off and he's like, nah. I can't like basically says I can't and um siblings yep and he and later <laughs> on like in the actual documentary it's really kind of sad he's like he's like that has to be like the greatest regret of my life is that he's like I didn't Aww. I wasn't willing to take her to class and pick her up because it was so hot and everything and obviously what like, what happened um and he said honestly I had no excuse I was just being lazy he admitted to it so he just didn't want to Um, and the guilt that he probably holds over himself is that's probably a lot yeah and in the documentary to the docuseries his name's pietro he honestly is like the driving force for all of this like for the whole story and everything like that like you can obviously tell like it it haunts him for sure um so she goes through her music lesson no biggie in fact she actually calls home after her music lesson so she talked to one of her sisters um just seemed obviously routine didn't really nothing was off except for the fact that she told her sister how she had run into a man who approached her and was like hey like I was just curious I was wondering if you would possibly want like a side job basically like would you like to make some extra money and she's like what do you mean and he's like well I I have all these brochures here he's like I'm a representative of Avon so you know what Avon is, right? Where they sell like the makeup and everything. Yeah. My mom used to work for them too. She used to sell Avon products. My mom did Mary Kay. So <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. See, yeah. One in the same. But yeah. So he's like, here's all the brochures. Like this was super popular back in the eighties too. Um, so he's like, yeah, you want to make this extra money? And she was just, I think she kind of more or less just like blew him off. Like, well, I don't know. Like maybe, yeah. you know. Um, and then so she called her sister and basically told her that. And I guess they had made plans that they were going to meet up together, like her and her sister um, at this like spot in Rome. And long story short, her sister showed up there, but she never did. So um, her sister was the last one to basically ever hear from her. Um, Unfortunately, by 10 p.m., like the family's like in full panic mode, because like I said, there's kind of like a curfew in sense that the gates close at midnight. So by 10 p.m., they're like, this is way past, like whenever she'd show up to come home, you know. So full panic, mm-hmm. like Pietro and I guess her uncle are like going out on like their mopeds and stuff like that, going through all the city streets of Ro- like Rome just to try to find her and see where if they can see like maybe she got hurt or whatever. Um, and by midnight, they had to return in order to get back into the gates without her. So they're just completely distraught. You know, they've already alerted people when this whole thing began, like when she didn't show up at home by 10. Um, They told the Vatican, they told the police, the police said, hey, it's too early. I mean, it's only been a few hours that she's gone. Like, she'll probably just show up, you know, eventually she'll show up. She's probably out partying or whatever. And so the next day when she still hasn't shown up, they did go to the police. So this is now June 23rd, 1983. Um, It's so sad too, Darcy. Like I was, I had to kind of like laugh a little bit, but in like, like, oh my gosh, kind of way, like 
so the way the story goes, like he's like, yeah, we uh, we went to the police station to file a police report, and I guess the the cop at the time who was taking the report down, like they obviously like gave a picture of her, and he looks at the picture, he's like, well, she's not too pretty to be kidnapped. She's not, or like she's not oh pretty God. enough to be kidnapped. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what, what an ass. Pretty, It was. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's a little blunt. But honestly, like she's not. Okay, like so thank you for letting me know she's not your type. <laughs> Like, oh, she's not pretty enough. She's not, she's not kidnapped. It's all right. God. Yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely awful. And I was like, oh. but and she, the, the, in any ways, like if you look at her picture, she's not an ugly girl. I'm like, <laughs> if they think that's ugly, <laughs> you should see me I'm when I wake up in the morning. That man. <laughs> yeah. Rude. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the first two days at least. And I'm going to kind of skip forward. You'll see I have like a little timeline here just for anybody who's listening to, to kind of go through, especially like the first week after the beginning of the story. Um, so we're going to skip forward just a couple of days here to June 25th. So now this is three days after she has gone missing or nobody's heard from her. Um, the family received like this really weird phone call. I guess they started putting up like all these like big posters everywhere and everything like with her picture and like basically like a missing persons poster. So like our equivalent of like back in the day when they'd put the missing children on like the back of milk cartons all over Rome and like places in Europe, they do like these posters that they just slather on the walls. Um, so her face is just everywhere. Um, and like I said, the family received a really weird phone call from a man named Pierre Luigi. Um, he seemed like he had good intentions. Like it was really weird. They actually have recordings and everything too. I wish I had the recordings as well of the conversation. Actually, it wasn't this one. There's later conversations that they have recordings of, but this was the first one. So they didn't really have the recording set up, but the way the brother says it is like, he, they didn't feel like any ill intentions, but he was talking about Emanuela. And he said that like, he was giving key details. Like he knew about her flute that she was carrying with her. He knew what clothes that she was wearing. Um, and according to him, like she had approached him saying that she had run away from home and if he was interested in buying some Avon products. So he knew like those key things. So they're like, wait a minute, like he might actually know where she's at. Um, the mm -hmm. whole conversation though, like they never really, I don't know, it's so weird. Like I know their culture is different, but they never really like directly like, where's my daughter? You know, they just like had this weird casual conversation about her. And then he ended up just like hanging up. So still don't know where she's at, but it seems like somebody knows of her whereabouts, you know, cause this guy called mm -hmm. and then still nothing. So we're going to fast forward another three days. So we're going to June 28th. Now, 1983, we get a second caller who goes by the name of Mario, which when I was writing this down, I was like, wait a minute, Luigi <laughs> and Mario. Is Peach next? Real <laughs> but yeah, uh, so the second guy, Mario, calls as well and said that he had met a girl um, that was near like the music school, I guess, where she had disappeared from. So like, that's another thing that he like knew that key detail um, who went by the name Barbara, which I guess with Luigi, Pierre Luigi, she had went by the name Barbarella. So similar there. So that she went by the name Barbara who had, and he basically said that she had told the similar story of like, yeah, like I'm trying to sell products here. Like, you know, I just, I was trying to get some extra money for my family, yada, yada, yada. And that's pretty much it. So they're like giving little bits of information, like almost hinting at like, yeah, she's still alive, you know, but mm -hmm. it's still like, they're not giving any details of where she's actually at. 
but the family was just kind of happy, I guess. Like, it's really weird. Like I, I still would have been like, oh my God, you know, and like, where the fuck is she? But the family was like, well, mm-hmm. at least she's, we know that she's alive. She must be alive. Like that was their hope, you know, and that eventually she sure. would just return. Um, lo and behold though, she never returns ever. So that's basically like the first real week of like her disappearance there. Um, those couple calls and stuff like that. Not really much beyond that. Um, and it, as the media gets more attention, like it's a big deal. Like people understand, like, why, why is one missing girl like so important? Well, when you think about it, the Vatican, like I said, there's only 800 people that actually live there, like citizen wise, like that's not a large group of people. So mm-hmm. when you have something like that, like a girl go missing from there, like this is supposed to be like sacred land, very holy, like very church, like base area. And she's just gone missing. And the weird part is, is like the Vatican themselves, like all the officials, like anybody there, like for like the first solid week or two, just basically ignore the whole thing. They're like, nah, we're just no comment, you know? So it just, it, it just started getting a little fishy. So there are like, I'd say like a good solid, like three theories kind of floating around as to like what happened to her. Um, the docuseries, like each episode is like an hour long. So it's like a four hour thing. They, it really goes into depth on like each one that people have like thought about. And the last episode is like, it's really good. Like I watched the last episode last night. So um, I'm just going to briefly touch on all the theories. And like I said, if you want to know more, go ahead and watch it. Like, so it's wonderful. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go into it a little bit. So I know at the beginning I had mentioned like Turkish, t- Turkish terrorism. Mm-hmm. So just two years prior in like 1981, it was like May 13th, 1981. There we go. So Pope John Paul II, he's the Pope at the time of this whole shit thing exploding. <laughs> um, so two years prior, I guess he's like a really popular, beloved Pope. They, everybody liked him. Like he wasn't, you know, hated by any means. But in this era, you're looking about like the Cold War and all like that shit going on in Russia, the KGB, electric, you know, we've already talked about the KGB before. <laughs> um, <laughs> in Turkey, I guess they're having like a whole revolution basically going on. There's a group called the Gray Wolves. The Gray Wolves are like typically younger men. They are kind of like a, not really a terrorism group, but they call them activists. And they're kind of like anti-religion, like freedom, that kind of stuff, you know, like fuck the church basically. <laughs> so there's a man, um, he goes by Mehmet Ali Ashka. So he goes to, so, you know, I think it's like every Sunday, like he, the Pope will come out and like speak to like the people and like um, sometimes even like walk through the, the crowd basically and like give like prayers and touches people and people like, ah, you know. Um, so I guess during one of these days or whatever, on May 13th, um, Ali Ajka, he decides that he's going to shoot the Pope and try to assassinate him. Unfortunately, he fails. So he shoots the Pope twice, once in the hand and then yeah. once in the chest. So I guess the Pope ended up living, luckily. Um, and almost immediately after, like it's chaos, you know, just like when a president gets shot, like everybody's in full panic mm-hmm. mode, like they're rushing the Pope off, like in the, the vehicle. And then luckily there was enough people in the crowd that they basically like attacked him and just like subdued him. And then like, so he was basically caught immediately. Um, mm-hmm. He claims that obviously he's a gray wolf, that he was also trained by the KGB, you know, anti 
Catholicism and Catholicism, sorry, and all that stuff. So that's just two years prior. And that was a huge, huge deal. So um, when more calls are being made about Emanuela and like the weeks beyond and like the months passing, there's a man that gets brought up. He's called the American. So he calls a couple times, actually, well, quite a few times, I should say. Um, and he basically claims that, hey, I have a Manuela. This is what I want. This is my quote unquote ransom. So according to him, he says, I will release her only if you can release Ali Ashka from prison. So, and we're all like, oh, obviously they're not going to release this man. He tried to kill a Pope. Like, but this was their way. Yeah, like, hey, I have, I have your Vatican citizen get... here. You know, I'm like, I have your Vatican citizen here, but so you need to release him if you want her back. And of course the family, when they hear that, sense. they're like, they're like devastated. Cause they're like, well, fuck, they're never going to like give this man back just for my daughter. You know, unfortunately, like it's one life, you know what I mean? And like, unfortunately, and like, especially Catholicism and stuff like that, the Pope is like the reigning God basically. Mm-hmm. And that's where like, we can get on a slippery slope of like, the story actually revolves a lot around power, you know? And that's sure. the sad part is, is that I don't, I don't believe that it's right when a religion is so fixated on being the most powerful and that's what it is. Like it should be about beliefs and stuff like that, that are set up. And yeah, it is in the long run for most common people. But when you have like a, a leading group that is so like, we need to be like the best, like the biggest, like the most rich or whatever, like that's, that's not religion. That's, that's like a cult, you know, that's government. (laughs) Yeah. Government. Yeah. too. So what do you think about the theory of like the American? Do you think that he actually had a Manuela? No, it doesn't make any sense. That's, I mean, that's what I was uh, going to say of like, what, so they just assumed he was going to get arrested. Like they planned for him to get arrested. So then they can make the ransom call. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. That just sounds, I mean, has anyone ever had a ransom happen that actually went through and the person wasn't already dead or like not ever existed to begin with it's like she was plastered everywhere everyone probably knew about her disappearance and it just happened to work out you know what I mean like I think it was I don't think that I don't think they actually had her I think it was just a scapegoat yeah so the fun fact and the fascinating thing about the American is we actually actually now know who he is or who he actually was um, his name is Marco Acetti. So in the docu-series, they actually interview him. And so they go into kind of like a little bit about him. Like, I'm not going to do too much because actually like in the docu-series, too, you see the brother Pietro. He's like, I don't want to talk about him. Like, like he's, you know, put a bad taste in this whole investigation and stuff like that. So once they talk to sure. Marco Chetti more, it turns out that he actually, this is like back in the eighties, I think it was, or. I think it was the eighties when he came out as like, I'm the American. They actually interviewed him with Pietro, the brother, like they're sitting like across from each other. And he's like talking to him and stuff like that. Being like, what the fuck? Like, where's my sister? You know, he, at this point he's just like getting pissed. The brother is, and this man is literally sitting across him. Like, it's just weird. Like he's wearing like this weird, like beanie thing. And he's like, he does look American. I will give him that. It looks like he probably is from America. Um, and they said that when he was speaking Italian, that's why they called him the American is because of his accent. Cause I guess anybody who speaks Italian, but is um, their first language is English. They do. We have like an accent. 
Um, mm-hmm. So they were able to tell by based off of that. So when they did like back to back, like when this is when they were doing like the recordings of all the calls that were being made about her and they matched it with his voice, they said it was likely him. Um, but he's just sitting across from the brother and he's like telling things about like Emanuela and stuff like that. But yet she's still fucking missing. I'm like, wow. Like, I don't know. It's so weird because like, this is where the story just gets bananas. Cause it's like, he knew things about her that you're like, okay, well, was he involved? You know, I hmm. guess in the years past, like he actually even was able to produce quote unquote, her flute. This is like years later. Like I think over 10, 12 years later was able to say, Hey, I have her flute. And it, per the family, it was her flute. So it's like, psychologists like look at this guy too and they're like it's just he's one of those that he wants the attention they're saying that it's just all about the attention for him and the media and that he's creating these stories and these lies and leading the family on this like wild goose chase for no reason other than to get the attention basically Mm -hmm. um nobody was ever able to prove that he was a turkish wolf or the gray wolf either so that's still like nobody was able to prove that he claimed that he also worked with the KGB. Nobody was able to prove that either. So it's just like this, it's, it's, it's awful. Cause you think like, is this just like a random dude that's just trying to act like he knows shit, you know, because he's like, it's almost like I've, maybe I've watched too much like John Wick or something like those movies. Cause it's like, it reminded me a lot of that. Like just like this crazy, like, like ancient other world and like full of like assassinations and like kidnappings and whatnot. But that's what he acts like. He acts like, you know, I'm a part of the secret society, you know? And you're He's like, not Snowden, okay? Yeah, like you're like, all right, dude. <laughs> it's random, <laughs> my guy. Is this? And he's is this creepy guy, I, I doubt it. But have you heard of that movie, The American? Yeah, I think that's different though. That's like more about like an interview or something like that. I think an interview or oh, something. Because okay. I've never seen it, but I'm like, well, they call him the American. Is it the same guy? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so because they didn't like touch on any of that at all. And I know the biggest thing was like once people realized more like about who he was and once he got like evaluated by like psychologists, people were like, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, but it's so weird because it's like, you know, we see that happen time and time again. Like it happened with the Black, Dal- the Black Dahlia. People yeah. came forward saying they killed her and they never did. Or like the confession killer, that dude that confessed to over exactly. 600 crimes that he never committed. It's like, it's the same thing time and time again, because people want the fame and the notoriety and any fame is good fame, even if it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So, and that's, like I said, the, the only thing that just like, it doesn't sit right with me is like the things that he did know about her. So I'm like, wow. I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, what if all these are like somehow connected? I, I don't know. It, so yeah, there's certain things that I'm like, mm, but then it's hard, you know, so because there's there's lots of really plausible theories here. So the next one being the mafia, right? So organized crime. Um, mm-hmm. I guess at this time in Rome, the most prominent criminal syndicate was this um, this basically mafia called the Banda della Magliana, which was led by a man named, sorry, I'm going to try not to butcher everything here. Enrico de, Pe- Enrico de Pettis is his name. Um, so this is like another one of the episodes in this um, docuseries where they go into like more about this mafia. I guess it's really fascinating mm-hmm. how like organized crime is in Rome because it does actually involve the Vatican a lot. Shocking, you know? 
Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awful. Like I said, so they, the interview, so Enrico de Pettis, he did die. Um, so in the docuseries, they actually interview his lover slash girlfriend that he had years ago um, named Sabrina. They call her Sabri because that's, I guess, like her nickname. Um, it goes into depth. And I guess if, for people that are listening who ever actually watch this series, um, the Ozarks or Ozarks on Netflix, it kind of, because so I watched good. that series, like this all kind of made a little more sense to me because it does get a little confusing um, for anybody that doesn't know a lot about money laundering. Um, so this idea involves like the thought that the Banda de la Magliana basically loaned out money to the Vatican people, like Vatican Bank, and that with interest, the Vatican Bank was supposed to then kind of like launder it and make it clean and then give it back to like the, the mafia, basically. Well, I guess in 1982, so this is just one year prior to her disappearance, um, there's a bank, it's like literally called the Vatican Bank, um, was ran by this guy, what's his, what's his name? Um, Roberto Calvi, sorry. Um, so he was like the leader of the Vatican Bank. Um, I guess one year prior, it was a huge scandal because he actually, the, the bank filed for bankruptcy, basically. So I, I don't know, it was some crazy large amount, like almost like billion dollars or something like that, or more than that even, oh my. that they filed bankruptcy on. So of course, the mafia is just fucking pissed. They're like, sure. great, we're not getting our money back. Like, here we are, like, we are trying to like make our money clean and like, you know, possibly also help the Vatican out too, because it's supposed, it benefits them as well. So when I talk about power, even Sabri says it too. Like, I forget what her actual quote unquote was. She said, that when she was talking to Enrico de Pettis, her boyfriend, he's like, honey, like, this is all about power. This is all about power. He kept saying that. So when I said all this might be connected, think about it. So one way the Vatican can not only just like say, hey, Catholicism is the best and stuff like that is for these governments, like the Turkish government, i.e. maybe them too, you know, that are battling out this possibility of like, you know, um, religion being kind of like pushed off the Vatican banks over or the Vatican himself. They're like, well, what if we like give them money to support them? Maybe the government themselves will also support our religion, Catholicism and all that. And we'll push out all these anti-religious people by giving basically the government money. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, like this money likely that the mafia was trying to launder through the Vatican bank was probably given to another government and was never returned back. So they never were able to give the money back. And it's just it's got all yeah. sorts of fucked. So Sabri also claims that she was part of like the group that was um, transporting Emanuela basically, like from different place to different place to different place. Um, in the docu-series too, they say that they actually do believe Sabri a lot, like they do. They believe that she's saying mostly the truth, um, I guess. I don't know, like, I guess with some of her, like, tellings of, like, the apartments or wherever that had kept her, they go to, obviously, like, these locations to see if they can find any evidence, and I guess some of the key details that she was telling them, like, were very accurate, so they're, like, you know, we can't dispel, they think that, obviously, in some of her story, she fabricated a little bit to make herself seem more like a hero, like a good person, when really she wasn't, right. and of course, of course, at one point, she's even, like, yeah, I started to do a lot of cocaine at that time. <laughs> 
Oh, of course. And sorry, if you hear whimpering, my sister, my sister has a German shepherd puppy and he's kind of like dreaming. So if you hear cooing, (laughs) it's the puppy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Sabri also claims that, you know, of course she's high as a, you know, on cocaine most of the time. Then distance herself from the crime because she's to make herself less at fault. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, she's like talking about how like, they had her in these apartments. They would basically drug Emmanuel, apparently, so that she was quiet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, bye. Speaking of like whining, my dog is also whining too. <laughs> Maybe Why they, they can whining? hear each other. Why are you whining? <laughs> Penny. <sighs> but yeah, She's so that I'm going to, I know this is a lot for people to listen to, but like I said, bear with me because you'll kind of see it come full circle here. Um, so yeah, they she says that she was moving them from different place to different place. They drugged her. And basically they were saying that, you know, they had spoken with the Vatican and not the media basically, but spoken privately to the Vatican saying like, give us their money and we'll give you the girl, basically. But the Vatican's mm-hmm. not telling the family this. They're not saying anything. They don't, they're saying that, oh, we just right. don't know anything. We don't, we know nothing you know? And, um, so Sabri's saying like, no, like the, it's just like this power battle between like the Vatican doesn't want to give the money up, but the mafia is like, they're trying to hold steady and like, we're not going to give you the girl then. Um, so there's also in the docuseries, they touch base on another kidnapping that happened actually at roughly the same time as Emanuela. Um, and I'm wondering too, like if part of that is connected as well, because the theory is, is that they didn't just kidnap Emanuela, but obviously this other girl as well. Her name was, let me see if I can find it. Morella Gregori. The reason why people don't know about her as much is obviously she's not a Vatican citizen. So she's actually a citizen of Rome, but I believe she was kidnapped like in May. So just one month prior. So the theory hmm. is also, and Sabri didn't, say whether or not this was true or not she just talked about Manuel, and that's it i'm wondering if like because they say that they think that not only did they kidnap Emanuela, but they also kidnapped this other girl so not only could they blackmail the vatican but they could also blackmail the city of rome because they think that, they, I, that i think that they're involved too like this whole okay. shit is all involved but that's the theory is that like now they have leverage against the the, the roman government and the vatican so they're using both these roles for that. I don't know whether or not that's accurate too or not, but they also, I'll tell you another theory they have, which is the most awful, but it could also be very plausible is the theory of sex slavery and that both of these girls are both victims of sex slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, in the docuseries too, like we've all kind of heard about it too, is that unfortunately these powerful high-ranking men are oftentimes ones that are involved. So they believe... Penny. Sorry, I, she really wanted pets. Oh. What do you want, baby? She's literally like right down here by my feet. Mm. Okay, you guys. Baby. We might have to take a little break. <laughs> I don't know if she's like go potty or something. Yeah, do what she gotta do. What? Let's see. We'll go outside. You go poop?
Don't let me forget about her, though. I won't. Because it's still kind of chilly outside. I don't, I always freak out with like leaving her out there. I know she likes being out there, but with like that valley fever she had, like, was it last year? Yeah. It worries me a little bit. Oh, while I'm up, let me get. I was literally, while I was watching the last episode, writing more notes in the dark. So it's like, look at my craziness. I look like a fucking psychopath. If my lighting is going to change. So much exposure. There we go. It's like not even like, like arrows, this, that. It's like not even in the lines. So I'm like in the dark. It's like that Charlie. Like, I'm like, I'm like trying it's to like, like see that it. Charlie Day scene. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My <Love> theory's it. <laughs> here. <laughs> I figured it out. It's like I will crack. Yeah. Anytime there's like a missing, it started out here. Person, we're here now. It's always like anytime I'm like involved in any kind of like unsolved crime, I'm like I'll figure it out, and I'm like I'm not gonna figure it out. It's oh, fine. I know you and I we're gonna figure this shit out on her, okay? Um, so yeah, there we'll go back. Like I was saying with the whole sex slavery thing, is that there are people out there, especially in Rome too, that Rome too, that believe that the police, the local lawmakers, the Vatican, the mafia are all like supposedly involved in this like huh so especially the vatican <laughs> especially the vatican yeah are supposedly all involved in like this this crazy like sex slavery ring basically where like girls are kidnapped mm-hmm. it's almost like you know the movie taken <laughs> Which, well yeah exactly you know you you wonder too how much accuracy there is in these kind of movies like i know obviously like they do these crazy like action movies but you're like is there some truth here though? Like, I mean, sad, when you have, you know, when but... you have so much power and so much money, like eventually it's like, well, what can't I have? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like you can, power and money really bring out people's true nature. And sometimes you don't even know someone until they have access to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like towards the end, um, or in one of my sources, I think it was um, all that is interesting. They had touched base on, I guess, in May of 2012. Like, I mean, this is like what I don't even know how many years later. Almost like what 20 years later, 30 years later, 30, mm-hmm. um, almost 30 years later. There is an 85-year-old father. So his name is Father Gabriel Amorth. Supposedly, per my source on all that is interesting, he was the Vatican's chief exorcist. Which I'm like. That's a fucking title. I knew I knew that name. I knew I knew that name. A fucking title, you know? (laughs) Like He was actually also, Mm -hmm. so he's alive still. Like, I guess back in 2012, he was alive. He was 85 years old, so very old. But he was one of the few people that, if you think about it, with like now 30 years almost passing, obviously it's very plausible that Emmanuel is still alive because she was 15 at the time when this happened. But these older men that could be involved this is 30 years now. So he's like 85. So like even the original Pope, which was Pope John Paul II, he's dead now, but this father, Gabriel Anworth, he is still alive. And he actually was uh, appointed by Pope John Paul II himself. So he's very connected with the original Pope. He made a claim that Emanuela was indeed sexually abused and eventually she was killed and like disposed of. So that was what he said much is sad um but there is some hope still 
So I'll get to that part in a little bit here. So in 2019, so we all, we have these new leads now, basically just prior to this whole documentary being made and stuff like that, like things are still coming out. Um, the Orlandi family. So now at this point, the father has passed away. Believe it or not, at the time of the documentary, the mother is still alive. She's freaking 92 years old and looks awesome. Like whatever the fucking Vatican gives your water, like puts in your water. <laughs> it's holy water. What do you expect? Exactly. They're like the holy water. <laughs> I need to get me some of that shit. Because I'm like, right. Wait, when they're showing pictures and stuff like that, of the family and people that live in the Vatican, stuff like that, like, these people are gorgeous. Like they're like the tan, Mormons like Italian, you know, with blue eyes, like look over here. I'm not- American, tasty white and American. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, so the Orlandi family, like I said, there's the brother, and they talked to the mother in the last episode too, which was kind of really sad. But so at this point in 2019, they decided to hire a new lawyer. Um, her name is Laura Segoro. Segoro. This lady's a badass. Let me tell you, she's also gorgeous, by the way. So all Italians, you know, just the tan gorgeousness oh yeah um i guess like she became really popular because in all my notes here 2016 um there was a, a thing that happened i guess it was a huge media ordeal something called the vata leaks vati leaks they called it like the vatican leaks basically like wiki leaks but vatican so right. it was this huge thing i guess multiple documents and stuff like that were like stolen and like released to the public which if you think about it, like, yes, the Vatican's supposed to be about religion, about a church and whatnot. But like you said, it's really a government thing. It's government. Mm-hmm. So their whole basis, and you can research all you can about them, but their whole basis is that secrecy, like total secrecy. So, oh, yeah. you know, there's rumors out there that say that they know almost, if not more than the actual government itself, they know more. The Vatican does. And that they say that there's secrets about like Freemasonry, like the origins of the religion, like all these other kind of things. So, you know, when a lot of this information gets stolen, like it's a huge, huge thing. So she was one of the lawyers in this case where I guess the journalists that were being accused of being the the people that did the va- the Vatty leaks, um, she was like their lawyer. So of course your Orlandi family was like, wait a minute, you you know how to get to the Vatican. So we're gonna hire you now. And she did do a really good job. Um, unfortunately, in 2019, she was going into work. I guess she checks her mail like every time she's like going into her office. And in her mailbox, there's she's like, there's this one white envelope. In this envelope, there was a picture. And on the paper, it literally just said, um, it says, look to where the angel is pointing. So then she grabs a picture and what it looks like is like, it has to be like a crypt. She said, she like, it was like, I knew it was a crypt by stuff, like what it looked like. And there's a picture of, it was like, there was a statue of an angel and it was looking or like pointing, can I, you know? And mm-hmm. basically she's like, this is like a, basically a clue as to somebody saying like, Hey, I know where Emanuela is buried. So of course they're like, fuck. This is now known as like the angel's crypt, basically, is what they thought. So they, she goes and search. She's like, I don't know where this crypt is, but she's like, there's only two actual like cemeteries or like tombs, basically, locations within the Vatican. 
So mm-hmm. she goes to one of them and she actually does find this, like the statue, the actual picture. Um, and it is pointing down. And then, so when they start investigating that area, she says that it's actually very plausible that that tomb was opened. And in some time frame of like, since Emmanuel has been missing. So they said it's very likely that something could have been put down there, possibly Emanuela, but they didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the shocking thing is like now this is, I don't even know how many years later in 2019. Finally, I guess there's been like two additional popes since then or something like that. I don't know how many, to be honest. I'm sorry, you guys. But a couple of popes again, like now passed the Pope John Paul II. Um, this newest pope, they said, is more forward thinking or more modern thinking in that he wants more yeah. transparency, which is good. They need Francis? that, you know. What's his name? Um, but so the shocking thing was like they were, they said a couple months after she, the lawyer had approached the Vatican saying like, hey, can we like check and see if she's here? A couple months later, actually, like it was this huge media ordeal. They're like, okay, like we'll, we'll open it up. And people are like, wait, what? You're going to open up like a tomb? Yes. Get it. So like, hmm, you know? So there's the like whole media recordings and stuff like that of like the news and stuff that they show on the docuseries where they're literally opening up these like, I don't even know how old tombs they said. I guess these tombs were of like German princes or something like that from God knows how many years ago. Um, so they're like carefully, carefully opening up these tombs. And unfortunately, like the brothers like standing right there, you're like literally just like watching, like waiting to see. They open it up and they go down. And I guess they they didn't realize that they were like these big rooms, like like a ancient burial room almost. The crazy shit though is that when they go down there, they said it was absolutely empty. So not even like these supposed like German princes were down there, like they're supposedly buried there, because that's supposed to be their tomb. They said it was completely empty, which almost was like a slap in the face, you know? Because it's like the Vatican's like, yeah, we'll help now, but it's empty and they knew it. Yeah, we'll, we'll empty it first and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like even more of a slap in the face that it's not even like, like it's not even like the original like tomb occupants were even in there. It was like nothing. Why would you take everybody? <laughs> I don't know. That's like the weird part too. So it's like, were they able to like, did, was she at one point there and then they moved her? Like what? I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was never anybody there anyway. Maybe it was just a fake tomb. Maybe it's just a passageway. Maybe that's a whole new mystery too about these German princes that we don't know about. Maybe there's zombies. <laughs> maybe they're all zombies. Zombie Vatican princes. Or, or they're vampires. So, you know, she went down there, they put her body down there, and then somehow she got turned into a vampire too. Now they're like, you know, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) 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 Oh. And then um, they also touched a little bit based on there was like another story, I guess, one year prior. So, like, they've just been going through so much. Like in 2018, prior to this tomb being opened up too. Um, there was no like clues or anything like that for Emanuela necessarily, but someone had found in the Vatican itself to another burial like site basically in 2018. Um, and it had like a bunch of these unknown like bodies and bones in it, basically these bones. And so back in 2018 too, the family was like, well, could that be her? You know, obviously nobody said like, Hey, Emmanuel is here, you know, 
but so they tested the bones in 2018 as well. And unfortunately, like per the DNA evidence, none of it was her, um, which is good and bad. Like the brother was saying, you know, like each one of these times he's like, I'm heartbroken, but at the same time, it still gives me hope then. So it's just like, you know, um, but it also makes me think too, like if they're finding all these like random bones and shit in the Vatican, like I know some of them probably could be like old, you know, cause obviously the Vatican is old itself, but like, are they just kidnapping and burying people periodically, you know, like possible. Somebody even said too, you know, there's the thought that like, what better place to hide something than your own like land basically. Cause their own, like I said, they're their own government. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. Like, yeah, literally, like they have their own police force. People don't understand this, like their own, like, quote unquote, military. It's not really a military, but it's like more like a like a security system, you know, whatever security guards and stuff. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're their own entity, truly. So it's like, what better place? Because they they have say so whether or not they uh, like dig up these things. Um. And like the sad part too, is like, they were saying like that angel's crypt, if she had been buried there was literally like within like 500 yards of like her apartment, like where she lived with her family. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get to that. I don't know, but like, I have, I have weird, I have like thoughts on the whole phone call to her sister and then the phone calls they got afterwards. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I have my own theories, mm-hmm. but continue. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole theory with like that mafia involving like the bank and stuff like that too was kind of crazy too, because that the guy that was the like the run that ran, I don't know if he owned it, but like ran the Vatican bank too, was actually mm-hmm. found. He was found later, like after he filed bankruptcy, like he fled basically, like nobody could find him. Um, he was found in London, England, um, hanging off of a bridge basically there. So quote unquote like suicide you know but it's like one of those like even even the person like the that investigated in like london she's like with organized crime they do this a lot where they make it seem like it's like a suicide but she's like based off of like where his body was she's like it was very like hard that he would have just picked that really random spot hung himself there you know like he was literally like dangling off of a bridge he would have had to like climb all this like crazy scaffolding and stuff like that and she's like the more likely things that somebody had killed him and like staged it basically so it's like, I, do I believe the mafia did that hundred percent? Yes. You know, when that theory, in that theory is that, yes. Like, I think that was their, one of the, one of their ways of like, I don't know if it was like revenge or whatever, but do I believe Emanuela was involved too? I don't, I don't know. Cause obviously it didn't work. Like, I don't think they got their money, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, no, no new leads besides what Sabri was saying, like the, the girlfriend, like other than that, like nothing else was connecting like that, the mafia group. Um, so in the last episode, I'm gonna have to switch over, sorry, to like my actual written notes here because I had my my writing notes for the most part. But when I was watching it last night, I had additional theories and shit I had to put down because it in a synopsis and to kind of conclude as much as they can about her story is obviously unfortunately unfortunately to this day she's never been found um no traces of her whatsoever um fun fact but not so fun fact is that she's still the only known missing citizen of the vatican ever like of that city state so she's the only missing person that they have 
Um, so like I said, in 2016 with the Vada leaks, um, they obviously did leak out some like secrecy type stuff. One of the reporters that was involved in like knowing like some of the Vada leaks, he said that there was also this folder that they had found. I guess it was like this crazy like robbery thing within the Vatican. Like I said, this all reminds me of like a fucking movie. And it's that I guess somebody, they don't know if it's somebody within the Vatican or somebody outside had basically gotten into the walls of the Vatican and like had been walking the halls somehow like in secrecy was able to get, I think they had, he says that they have like some like 15 or 16 like safes, like these, I would imagine like big safe rooms, you know, like with a big giant door and everything like the dial and whatnot. (laughs) That's what I picture. They have 15 or 16 of them known in the actual Vatican itself. Like what the fuck, why would you need that many? Like what, what are you putting in there? It's where all the bodies are. <laughs> all the but I guess are empty, but they're all in the vault. <laughs> yeah. All the 16 vaults. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess this guy literally like, it's like a movie. So they take, I guess they said he took this person could be female too. You know, we're also badasses. Um, took like a blowtorch to one of the safes to get like this, these documents for the battle leaks or whatever. And I'm like, how did they, how did they not know that somebody's like breaking into their safe? I don't know. The blowtorch. With a blowtorch or like, you know, hacksaw, whatever the fuck, you know, in the movies. Okay. Might as well have fucking dynamited it. He probably still would have gotten away with it. Where's the laser? Just cut out like a door shape <laughs> like they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was, like I said, within this folder, they call them, they're like dossiers or dossiers or something like that. So what are that, mm-hmm. what that is, is basically like a uh, breakdown, like, of like different like expenses basically um mm-hmm. so this document was like found in like i said a folder where it it had her name it literally in there said expenses dossier expenses for emanuela orlandi and we're like what so this is like the first thing like first quote unquote actual evidence of her being alive mm-hmm. so this is where it starts to get wild so this was actually found within the Vatican and it's literal proof that they were paying for her expenses, but yet they never and told anything to the family. Do we know when, like what date that document was from? So literally from 1983, which is the year that she was kidnapped up until 1998. I think it was actually 1997 oh, or 98, like early Yeah. All of those documents. And the craziest thing is that where all these charges came from was an address in fucking London, England. Who's the other? Wasn't there a guy in England or is this something different? That was the bank guy that died in England. Yeah. Oh, he died. But all these expenses, like the guy was like breaking it down or like tuition expenses, boarding expenses, like meal, like all this stuff like that was charged to the Vatican, basically. For okay, her so she's basically not... to live. Okay, so obviously she's not like a sex slave if she's attending university. Well, so when the guy, he's like, I was trying to search this address and I guess he's like, I think it was a typo. He's like, when I was looking at like the actual dossier and like there's the address there in, in like London, England, he's like, it didn't exist basically. So he's like, I had to kind of play around. He's like, I was doing this for hours playing around with like the street name. He's like, I wonder if it was like a typo. 
So finally he found one that made sense to this whole thing. And that, okay. so when he's like, it was a typo, when they found finally like this address, quote unquote, it's a convent, believe it or not, for girls. Convent. Interesting, weird, but okay. So yeah, I guess this convent, so which for people that don't understand what a convent is, it's literally like where nuns go basically and live and stuff like that and young girls or people that, you know, are trying to become a nun. This convent, I guess, in like London, England is like, they, they quote unquote say was extremely connected to the Vatican, like very close ties. Let me go figure. Cause they're probably like, my theory is, is that they were hiding her there for many, many years. Sure. I mean, that would make, that would make sense if you're going to hide someone, but not kill them. Yeah. Which <clears throat> I also think too, I'm like, you know, when people were talking, like her brother was talking about her and stuff like that. She seemed like an, like an average 15 year old. Like they said that she loved pop music. Like she had friends and stuff like that, by all means, like she didn't seem like somebody who wanted to get away from her family, you know? Mm-hmm. Of course, her brother probably pissed her off that day, but it wasn't like, you know, that's what she wanted to like leave her family, you know? Right. So I'm like, how willing was she to go to this convent then is my theory. Also, like, you know, people always talk about like brainwash and stuff like that. When somebody is kidnapped for a prolonged period of time, like Stockholm syndrome, yada, 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 like all that. Mm-hmm. Like, is that possible? Yeah. Cause I'm like, I don't think this girl in my heart of hearts would willingly become a nun. I just don't. Yeah. Um, so towards the end of the series, they bring forth, she hides her identity. She wanted to be confidential, her friend. So Emmanuel's friend comes forward finally years, years, years later. And I think it kind of finally comes full circle a little bit. Um, according to her friend, like a week prior to her disappearance, she had gotten a phone call from Emanuela. She seemed upset, kind of. She's like, hey, can we meet up? Like, I just need to talk to somebody. Like, you know, I have something I need to tell you. I have a secret, basically. And the friend at first, she's like, I didn't really honestly think too much of it. She's like, I thought it was a boy. She's like, I thought it was like a boy that she was like seeing or, or whatnot. And I guess like this friend also lived within the Vatican because they met at school. I believe that she did this lives in the Vatican as well. But so she's probably honestly afraid, which is my theory is why she wanted to be confidential about all this because she's like probably sure. worried about backlash as well. Um, but according to her, when she met up with Emanuela, she's like, she looked like she was broken basically. Like she just had like this very distant look in her face. And she's like, immediately I knew it wasn't a boy. It wasn't a boy that she was about to tell me about, but she's like, I knew it was bad. And uh, Emanuela basically told her a story about how recently when she like one time when she was going through like I guess she walks through the gardens there which are they're apparently really beautiful so she's probably just taking a stroll like this is her home she's walking through the gardens you know just minding her own business um a man approaches her and all the friend would say is that this man was very very close to the pope himself like very close meaning probably one of his fuck what are they called the like it starts with a p they even write it down i forget what they're called Car- no sorry it's not a p it's the cardinals so these cardinals are like basically gotcha. like higher ups in like the vatican themselves so she believes there's probably like a cardinal or something like that that was close to the pope um that had approached emanuela and basically had sexually harassed her pretty Ooh. significantly from what i could gather 
Um, which obviously knowing that that's a huge deal, um, because Manuel is only 15. Like we're talking pedophilia here. Like a what surprise to anyone? Yeah. Like what bigger scandal would it be to know that this supposed holy man that's high in the church, that's supposed to be, you know, righteous and all this stuff is actually, you know, sexually harassing a 15 year old girl. It's, it's just awful to think, but coming full circle with all these crazy craziness that's going on. I think what my heart of hearts is telling me is that what her friend says is true. And that, you know, once the, the higher, the like Pope or whoever it was found out that this man had done this to a man while she was kidnapped, um, kept, kept quiet basically so that she wouldn't tell anybody or the, that the secret wouldn't come out and that their hopes that as years would pass, that it'd be forgotten and that, you know, it'd blow over basically. I don't know. I hope that it was just that one incident that she was sexually harassed, but I don't know if that whole sex slavery also plays into that. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, but I think it's incredibly plausible that they, it was basically, she was trying to be kept quiet. Mm -hmm. But what do you think? I don't know, man. Like, I guess maybe during that time, it would have been a huge scandal. But like, ever since all the shits come out with like, you know, Catholic priests being pedophiles, like it's not shocking anymore. And it just kind of fueled that fire of like, well, of course, if it's happening from such a high rank, of course, it's going to be accepted lower down low. And I don't know. It just seems like a big feat to like, it just seems like a big feat to be like, he sexually harassed. Like, it doesn't sound like he raped her or assaulted her, but like he sexually harassed her, probably scared her. It's like, if it's a, a Cardinal's word versus her word, like who are people really going to believe if she was to say something like, they're not going to believe her. Like that's fucked up to say, but they're going to believe him. Like, they're always going to believe like people choose to blindly follow faith, like pillars of the community. Am I right? Like it's, it is what it is. So I feel like that's a big, that's a big leap to kidnap just on something as, as fucked as I'm not downplaying it, but as something as small as sexual harassment, like in the grand scheme of that, that just seems like a big jump. And then to like, keep her alive. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why wouldn't you just scare her or convince her that's not what it was and then let her go and like all that kind of stuff I mean the sex trafficking thing makes the most logical sense to me and what I think it was is since she wasn't in the Vatican walls which to do her lessons she would have her lessons at a scheduled time all the time a girl was kidnapped before her in rome so she either was being i think she's being watched someone who kidnaps kids or whatever she was either being watched stalked or just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time um and these people that kidnapped the first girl saw her approached her with the avon thing and when she turned them down and she called her sister, I think you said she called her sister and she mentioned like the weird man, why would then these people call? And I think 
if, if these two men were probably the same men, both called her family and were like, oh yeah, like she approached me about it. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense to what her sister said. Like, why would she then change her entire story? You know, and it doesn't like none of that clicks. So I feel like those were lies. Like they got their stories together and to make it sound believable, they then called and maybe they didn't know she called her sister. Like, I think that's probably it. And so I think there's a loophole in there because it also sounds like they're where they saw her. No one investigated it. Like no one went to like those areas to look for clues or anything like that. So I think she was probably kidnapped in Rome by the same people that kidnapped the first girl. And unfortunately she was probably put into like the sex trade. And then because she just happened to be from the Vatican area, which they probably didn't know unless they were stalking her, then it just so happened to work out that this American and these people could play off of that to try to get the other guy free and get some fame and notoriety now, her name being a part in the Vatican stuff, these could be people tied to the Vatican through the sex, like the organized sex trade of children, right? Like that could be their connection to the Vatican. And I don't, I mean, the weird thing is her being in a coven, I mean, maybe she was no longer useful. Maybe she was no longer young enough that they needed. Like the so, brainwashed or whatever that was, yeah. Yeah, they probably broke her if she was a part of the sex trade at 15, probably doped her, drugged her, yeah. broke her down, like made her mush and then threw Basically her was away, like, which sounds Well, fucked. yeah, now you're not useful. Here's a, you're going to be a nun now, you know. Yep. Now you're going to, you know, repent for your sins and we're just going to wipe our hands clean with it. And if that was the last time was in 1997 or 1998 that she was on the books then she probably died. Like, so this is, this is where it gets kind of sad. So, like I said, I mentioned that, that new Pope, the, the most recent one, how he's very like forward thinking and like more modern thinking. Um, the brother, I'll give him props. Pietro, I'll give him props. Cause he quote unquote, he's like, I'm like the, I'm the Vatican church's biggest nag. Cause he <laughs> is very persistent. I'm like, he's got some balls, you know, cause he's literally living within their For walls. Him. And he's constantly like on them, like about various different leads and stuff like that. So finally, like, like I said, it's taken this long for them to kind of really help in a sense. They're not really helping, but they're being more cooperative. They say nowadays mm-hmm. about this, about this, obviously now it's going to get super popular because of Netflix and everything like that. So I'm kind of curious to see where it goes beyond this now as it gains more notoriety and fame, like in the U S and stuff like that with Netflix. Um, so I'm curious to see where we get beyond that. But when the journalist was talking about the dossier and like the last entry, I think it was either 1997 or 1998. Um, the wordage of it was costs for the return of like Emanuela Orlandi to her homeland or something like that. And he's like, the way that they had word, I forget, I wish I would have written it down, but I mean, I couldn't hardly see was, it was like the way it was worded. I do believe too, that it was the way that they had put that this is us returning her body to be buried in the Vatican because she's a Vatican citizen. Mm-hmm. And then oh, this more recent, yeah, <laughs> this more recent Pope, I guess when Pietro had like approached him one time, like there's like almost like a video of it too, because like, it was like everything, anywhere the Pope goes, there's just like a shit ton of media usually in Rome. 
So I guess um, the brother had like approached him and immediately the Pope knew who he was basically like, oh, I know this guy, like this is the brother. And so he's like, he's like, I pray that, you know, for my sister's return or something along the lines of that, or I pray to see my sister again someday. And the only, he's like, the Pope said four words to me repeatedly. He's like, but there's only the four words that he said were, Emanuela is in heaven. So every time like his brother would say something different, like, oh, well, I hope to see her someday. All the Pope would say to him is Emanuela is in heaven. Over and over and over again. Like that was the Pope saying, like, I'm trying to tell you she's not alive, but that's all I'm telling you. I'm trying to tell you that she's dead, but I'm not going to tell you that she's dead because then I have to acknowledge that. I or know that or she's how dead. or why and all this stuff. Yeah, but she is dead and I know she's dead. And it's crazy because like at the very end, like they go around and like ask all these people that they've interviewed throughout the whole docuseries. Um, and every single person that is interviewed says that they believe 100% that the Vatican knows what happened to her. One way or another, whether whatever it was that was happened, whether it was the mafia, the Turkish people, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the American, the Vatican 100% knows what happened to her and her story but they won't tell you Why? Cause you would think like such a holy place in this holy community, really. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pride probably tied to that entire community. And especially the generations that her family comes from, right. They're exactly. probably held in a very high regard. And you would think that to be the first and only person to be taken, gone missing, whether it was by force or by choice that there would be a huge uproar because that's a big that's a quintessential piece of that and you would want like even for the vatican itself to be like that's one of our people like we want our people but to be like we're just going to turn a blind eye like this is happening in the bronx somewhere on a normal tuesday like is odd but also mm-hmm. the Vatican doesn't want to get itself tangled up into anything because they do have their own secrets. And the last thing you need is that shit coming forward. It's almost too risky to, it's almost too risky to care if they're right, whether or not they're involved. It's almost like even worse now because it's so it's, it's been held back for so many years. You know, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, as time goes on, the more time that goes on, it's almost even worse, you know, like if it were to come out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you got to think back in the eighties too, with everything that was going on, like, you know, with the, the Eastern European like countries and stuff like that, like Russia, Turkey, all that stuff. Like there was a lot of chaos going on, you know? And like Sabri had said too, I do believe it's all about power in that, you know, obviously Catholicism is being challenged at this time. And they're saying like, Hey, we need followers. Cause that's just how they get their money. You know, it's like, And I never understood that about religion personally. I know it goes across the board. Is that like, why am I giving you my money? You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's religion. It shouldn't be involving money, but it's unknown how rich the Vatican is, but I do believe they are extremely rich. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, religion is probably one of the most profitable businesses because religion in itself is a business. It's why they get tax breaks. (laughs) I got my drink. Oh no. Luckily it's almost empty, but, um, but yeah. And like, fuck, I lost my train of thought now. The Vatican money business. Money. They're oh. really rich. Yeah. They're, they're really rich. And then, oh, I was going to say is, um, 
in the beginning, Pope John Paul II, the original guy, he, I guess in one of like his masses, like his morning masses, where he like literally goes out and speaks to all the people, he tried to seem like the good guy, basically. He's like, I am praying for Emanuela's return and la, 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 la. And like, he even spoke about Mirella, Mariella or whatever, and saying like, I hope these mm-hmm. girls are returned. And that was it. Like, that was his only comment on the whole thing. I guess he even like, it was about like the media presence about the church seeming good because they had yeah. photos and everything like that where Pope John Paul II, I guess, showed up at like the family's apartment and they said like, that's never happened before in like recorded history, like where a Pope is like, I'm going to go visit the family, you know? But mm-hmm. it's like that media front of like, these are the good guys, you know? And, you know, obviously with, you know, I know it's, it seems like a very minor thing. Cause it's like, it's one person, it's one girl, but like I said, think about the time it was like in the eighties, like if a scandal had coming out, had come out, like, obviously there's a lot of turmoil, like could have it really affected the Catholicism, like religion, like the Catholic religion. I do believe so. Yeah. And I think that was their biggest concern is that while it may not have been like a very serious thing, but at the time it was probably extremely serious because of what all was going on. Like here they are. And all these like foreign countries trying to like prove that their religion needs to be powerful. So like, it's all about the power really. Mm-hmm. And that something like this, even as a, a minor scandal as it is, it's still anti-Catholicism then. And it's another thing that these countries can fixate on and like push out the religion itself, giving Catholicism less power because it's less money than, you know. Yeah. I mean, but think about what happened with like Monica Lewinsky, like, we saw what happened when that shit blew up. Like, yeah. When that blew up, like it blew up. And it's like, imagine that being a religious power at the time. Like, yeah, it would totally. I mean, we saw what happened when all of the, I had mentioned it before. We saw the same thing happen when all the shit came forward about how, how much abuse is going on inside of like Catholic churches. Like, you know, I mean, there's probably going to be people who are enraged because, you know, like, I don't care what religion you are. I really don't give a shit. Yeah. But to, there are people who blatantly deny that there's any kind of like pedophilia going on in like, the Catholic church. And I'm like, you're choosing, you're, you're framing ignorance. And it's like, I, I don't care what your religion is, but it's, it's true. But you know, yeah. 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 So, and that's, that's the thing too, is that like, I, I, like you say, like, it really bothers me. Like, some people like turning the blind eye and like choosing ignorance too. like, you know, sometimes I do see like my mom being the same way too. And obviously I'm not, we're not Catholic religion or anything like that too, but to turn a blind eye to like so many different like theories and stuff like that about like the world, but stuff beyond that too, because of a basis of religion too. I'm like, that's just, you know, choosing ignorance. Cause just because somebody's claiming to be like even a Pope or somebody who's higher up or whether it be a pastor, priest, whatever, they're still, the, the bottom line is they're still human beings that are going to have flaws. And unfortunately, sometimes those flaws are really awful, whether it be like they're a mass murderer, they could be a serial killer, they could be a pedophile, they could, you know, these are still people. Just because they're claiming to be so religious doesn't mean that they're automatically good people. Mm-hmm. And, and that idea is just, that's where like, the more I learned about Catholicism and like, obviously like the Vatican doing the story and stuff like that, whereas like, I, I don't agree with a lot of it because of that fact. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that this guy that's been appointed by who knows, I don't know who 
I, I, I honestly, I, I know some people do know how like the Pope is being chosen and stuff like that, but I, I personally don't, but it's like, how can I say that this is the most holy man on this earth right now? Because of who, because of what, why, you know? And it's like, do we really know this person? No. And like the secrecy of it too. And it's like, I'm not going to turn a blind eye to that. And I think a lot of, a lot of younger generations like us are more in agreement to that too. So I'm curious to see as we get older, like what truly happens in that sense to religion and different things like that. I hope mm -hmm. that a lot of these secrets that have been kept for probably decades, if not centuries are coming out, you know, but yeah. And I really hope someday we do find out what happened to her. You know, if she was in London for many years, at least she lived for a while, you know? Yeah. But it's sad because her, you know, her mom's 92 now, so she probably won't ever know. And the mom's, it was really cute. The mom was just like, you know, ultimately the conclusion, she's like, whether or not I get to hug her in heaven or I die not knowing, mm -hmm. at least if I die and she's not in heaven, then I know she's still alive. I was like, oh, that's mom. heartbreakingly sweet. <laughs> I know. Oh, but. well, that was a sad story. <laughs> that was very sad, but I'll have to watch that docuseries. Please do, because I'm going to nag at you if you don't, because yeah. <laughs> like I said, I do a very minimally okay job at explaining some of these things, but when it, you actually watch it in the docuseries, that's when I'm like, what? <laughs> and even Sean's like, are you sure you want to do this topic? He's like, this is like four hours long. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to like briefly synopsis a lot of it here. <laughs> it's all right. Um, my, my, my topic next week is uh, a big one. It's going to be, it's going to be great. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, yeah. I'm also feeling the overwhelmingness about it. So it's cool. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, lovely job. I think you did a fabulous job telling the story. Um, even if we don't get a conclusion, but hopefully one day we will. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, I don't know. One day we find out all of it had some truth to it. You know, that's always a possibility too, but yeah. So I really hope all of you guys that listened to this, because I know it was a lot, please go watch the documentary series. Like it's wonderful. It's crazy. It opens up your eyes to a lot of things. Like if you're interested in me, like, I don't know if you guys have gathered in just the episodes that I've done. I, I like a lot of mysteries and unsolved things and stuff like that and unknowns and stuff like that. I think that's going to be a lot of what you see that I'm going to do. Um, just some of those, like what the fuck things, you know, that really kind of make you think. Right. Solve the case. <laughs> All right, you guys. I didn't, I'm not prepared this time with all the things. So okay. I'm going to give it to Darcy. I'll see well, heard my voice enough. So <laughs> if you're not already, you can follow us on all of our socials, um, Instagram and Twitter at TAKTV podcast. You can find us on our Facebook page, take a killer to brunch, send us an email at TAKTV podcast at gmail.com. Check out our website, which, um, I finally bought our domain name. So now it's just www.takeakillertobrunch.com. And you can also, if you're not, um, if you're on Podbean and you want to be a patron and get early access to episodes on Fridays instead of Sundays, as well as two bonus um, contents every month, you can totally do that. Uh, it's $3 a month on Patreon. It's also the same um, for Patreon, if you're not a Podbean member, you can go to Patreon for three bucks a month and you'll get the same benefits. So hopefully we'll see you guys over there. We do have some stuff up already. 
Um, and this episode is literally going to go up today <laughs> so yeah. for the patron and Patreon tiers. So that's where you can find us. Oh, and we're on YouTube. I mean, if you're watching this, then you know. So do the whole, <laughs> you know, like, subscribe, share, follow all that business. Do that, do that stuff. We greatly appreciate you guys. But yeah, yep. fabulous job, Shannon. Yep. And if anybody has any theories out there, if you have your own opinions, we'd love to hear it too. Darcy loves emails. Absolutely. <laughs> and I still haven't gotten one. I'm salty. <laughs> Someday. One day it'll happen. One day. <sighs> well, thank you, Darcy. I know this was a lot and a little bit depressing. More of my, uh, not one of my usual <laughs> past ones that have been yeah. more on the lighter side of things. But like I said, that's okay. I, I was hooked. You were, hu- I mean, hey, I'm going to go drown my sorrows in sunlight. So. Yes, go enjoy the beach. You have fun at the doctor. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. It's been loads of fun. Hi, guys. Bye. <laughs>